In our ongoing efforts to educate and communicate, we feature our healthcare providers in conversation on Shepherd Center Radio. Here's Melanie Cole. For people with spinal cord injury, the first 72 hours after injury are crucial to diagnose and manage ongoing treatment. My guest today is Doria Fowler. She's an access case manager at Shepherd Center. Welcome to the show, Doria. Tell us what happens in the first 72 hours after spinal cord injury. What goes on in the emergency room? Well, there's, there's a lot going on. Uh, first, the, the trauma team has to activate. Uh, typically, it's going to be neurosurgery or in some facilities, it's going to be an orthospine surgeon because they're going to try to stabilize the, the neck or the back as soon as possible to try to prevent any more damage. So usually the family has gotten word that, you know, it's a, it's a devastatingly serious injury and potential for, you know, changes for the rest of their lives as far as paralysis. So the, the family is usually reeling pretty good at this point also. And then once the neurosurgery team or the orthospine team is involved, then they're going to go to surgery as quickly as possible to stabilize the spine. And then there's all the hopefulness that happens in the family that hopefully after the surgery that their spine will be able to recover or at least their the bony parts will, and then hopefully the neurologic injury of the spinal cord will recover. So that was going to be my next question, was does the family quite often say to you and to the doctors, but there's still hope, right? I mean, this is not a permanent condition, or the surgery can fix this, or will it continue to get better? And how do you answer them when they, answer, when they ask these questions? Oh, absolutely. The, the families are very optimistic and very hopeful, you know, in our modern age of medicine, We've become so much faster and so much more efficient with uh, trauma, you know, within the trauma systems. So they are hopeful and they do say, you know, well, you fixed Johnny's neck. Does that mean he's going to walk again or use his arms again? And nobody really has that answer. I mean, no one can tell you for sure what kind of recovery they're going to have. And as a medical profession, we can fix the broken pieces, we can fix the bones, but again, we can't repair the spinal cord. So it's a wait and see. And no one really knows what kind of recovery they're going to have. And it can take up to two years for you to actually have any recovery. Explain just a little bit in a short period of time about some of the types and levels of spinal cord injury so that family members can sort of get a general working idea of what a cervical spinal cord injury might do to the patient or what a sacral spinal cord injury might do to the patient, sort of what they can expect. Yeah, well, the higher the injury is in the body, the less control your brain has. So if you have a cervical injury, that's in the neck, and that's going to affect your ability to move your arms and your legs. And then lower in the neck, obviously, you do have some arm function, but it's not 100%. It's not normal. And then you go lower into the back, and you have an upper back, your thoracic area, your middle back uh, is your lumbar area, and then your lower back, which is sacrum. And so depending on where the injury is, it's going to affect what you can use. So the higher in the back, uh, the higher up your torso your injury level is. And that means your injury level is above that, you're normal. Below that, you're not normal. So again, with the back injuries, which can be thoracic, lumbar, or sacral, you have normal arm and hand function. 
but you don't have control from your chest down or your abdominal area down. And so the sacrum is kind of tricky because it's one bone but five pair of nerves, but it's actually below where you would normally walk. So your lumbar nerves talk to your walking muscles. So if you have an injury in your sacrum, you are usually still able to walk, but you don't have any control of your your genital, genital area, like your bowel, your bladder, and your sexual function. So we've had people like a painter who fell off a scaffold and cracked his tailbone, his sacrum, so he could walk, but he had no control of his bowel and bladder. So how important is that first 72 hours to maintaining some of that or possibly being able to adjust or get the patient to adjust to what has just happened? Oh, it's absolutely critical. So again, the trauma systems are so much faster now, and they talk about something called a golden hour, and you know that's why act at the accident scene or when you fall, getting the EMS there as quickly as possible because they're going to stabilize your spine, and then they're going to get you to that trauma center to try to get you know potential surgery if that's recommended as soon as possible because that's going to reduce any kind of stricture or um, narrowing of the spinal canal, which is going to cause pressure on the cord. And then there's a secondary injury where you can have cellular death because of the, the swelling or the pressure on the cord, and it doesn't get the right blood flow to oxygenate the cord. So getting to that trauma system as quickly as possible is going to reduce those complications. And then you would have hopefully a less severe injury. So I think you mentioned before complete versus incomplete types of injuries, and that can determine how quickly you get that trauma care, whether you're a complete injury or you convert to an incomplete injury. How is it different once they go to the ICU versus other patients that might be in there for somebody with spinal cord injury? Oh, it's very different. When you have a spinal cord injury, depending on where your level of injury is on your spinal cord, your brain is not in control below that point. So say you have a T1 level of injury, which most people think, oh, T1, that's great. You're paraplegic. You still have all this arm function. You know, you're going to be easy to manage. But at a T1 level of injury, the line that you draw on their body basically is their armpits. So from their armpits down, their brain is not in control. So that's going to affect your blood pressure, it's going to affect your breathing. It's going to affect your bowel and bladder. And those are things that aren't usually a problem with a different type of patient in that ICU because maybe they had, you know, a fall and they had a fractured hip or, you know, they had a heart attack or they even had a stroke. Their, their brain is basically in control of their body. But after a spinal cord injury, below your level of injury, the communication has been cut off between your brain and your body. So then kind of bring this all around and wrap it up for us. In that first 72 hours, the importance of getting that diagnosis and getting to the family to get them to sort of understand and cope with what's happening. What do you do every single day, Doria? And how do you deal with the families about that coping? Just tell us about that first 72 hours and wrap it up for us. Well, there's a, there's a lot involved. Again, getting to that trauma system as quickly as possible to, to stabilize the injury that's causing damage to the spinal cord injury is going to hopefully preserve function. So it may minimize the damage to the spinal cord. 
And so a lot of the research studies nowadays are actually trying to fix the damaged part of the spinal cord. And so by getting the help as quickly as possible, reducing the injury, then that's going to help you regain function down the road, hopefully. But again, nobody really knows for sure. So it's a wide range for the family. I mean, they are, they are hearing that, oh, their family member may never walk again, may never use their arms again. And then once they have surgery and the healing begins, then they might get small increments of function back. It could be movement. It could be feeling. It could be a little bit of both. It could be a lot of both. It could be neither. So they have a huge range of emotions that they're going to go through because they don't know what their family member is going to be able to do. And generally, I say two days from now, two weeks from now, two years from now. So part of the healing, I think, is in the beginning, once we talk to the families, is, you know, we're all hopeful for return of function, but we don't know what's going to happen in time. So what we do is prepare for right now. What what if nothing changed right now? Because this is probably the worst it's going to be. And then as he gets better, hopefully he gets function back, and then it gets easier on the family. What do you do, Doria, as an access case manager? Speak about your role at Shepherd Center. Yeah, so I have to be honest, never in my nursing career did I think I would be a case manager, but I'm one of the nurse evaluators. That was our old title was nurse liaison. So I go to the trauma centers and evaluate patients that need our rehab. And because spinal cord injury is so specialized that not every patient meets our criteria. So I go to the trauma centers, evaluate the patients, and make sure that we can give them the rehab that they need. And so if they don't need us, I recommend other facilities. So in that realm, I'm starting the case management. But if they do need us, then I start the process with helping the family figure out what their family member is going to need down the road and what the next level is going to look like after that trauma center. So rehab and then potentially home after rehab. So I'm actually starting case management the first day I go see the patient. So that's when our title changed to access case manager. Wow, that is really great information. Thank you so much for being with us today. You're listening to Shepherd Center Radio, and for more information, you can go to shepherd.org. That's shepherd.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.